0: Thank you. That's enough of that. We've heard that on loop for too long. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to Careless Whispers on CLNS Media. My name is Matt Rury. My co-host who needs to go to sleep is Calvin Chamberlain. Calvin, the question that is on everybody's mind here to start the show, are you going to see Uncle Drew? Uncle Drew,
1: uh, I, I mean, you know, I may see it on video, but... I'm definitely not uh-huh. going to see it on video. I sound like an old person right now. i may see it on DVD. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I definitely am not even going to see it on DVD. It will be some some version of streaming. But,
0: Catcher when it comes to Netflix, yes.
1: Yes. This is, it's not quite as catchy, you know You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm going to stream it sometime, but it just doesn't sound the same.
0: No. Well, you're dating yourself, but either way, uh, that's definitely not the question that's on anybody's mind tonight, I don't think. Although there has been a, lo- a lot of talk about that movie, I figured I'd get the plug in early. Um, the Are NBA awards were last night. What's that? Are you on board? Uh, I can't decide. I'm not, I don't. I'm, I don't. Don't want to see it in the theater, but I feel like I should see the movie. Especially if he signs an extension, I should. I should definitely see the movie.
1: I guess you have a, you have a Kyrie obligation. I mean, I wouldn't right. see, I wouldn't go see a bad Kobe movie, uh, like a bad Lanza Ball movie.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not gonna go pay for it. I don't think, but if I were to find it somewhere else for free, eh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll check it out. Right. But I do have some friends that want to go. So maybe I will get roped into this thing. Who knows? I'll get them to pay for it. <clears throat> um. Anyway, about more eh, interesting topics. Last night were the NBA Awards, and um, I I don't know how long we're going to spend on this, probably just a few minutes, but uh, I don't know if you agree with any of the the awards last night, but they pretty much shook out the way that everyone expected them to. Uh, So I ask you this. Is there even a point to the NBA Awards ceremony? Like, what is the point? They're copying the NHL, first of all. Second of all, everyone already knew who was going to win when they announced the finalists, for pretty much every category. So I just, I don't understand the point of last night's ceremony, last night's show, besides uh, uh, television ads and grab ass uh, uh, among people in the league. I'm glad you brought
1: this up because I've been to talk about it, but I failed to to put it in the
0: outline. But um,
1: yeah, here's the thing. I think this just happens to be a year where the award winners were going to be pretty obvious, right? Like, I mean, I mean, award show or not, right? It was if James Harden didn't win the MVP this year, it was going to be like this. You know, conspiracy heads were going to come out of the woodwork. He was pretty obviously the MVP. I mean, maybe you want to make an argument on behalf of Donovan Mitchell, but I think I think Simmons winning that award was pretty obvious. Although I might have voted, I, I might have gone the other way on that. But other than that, like, what are we talking about here? Casey, I think was was. Uh, you know, momentum was highly down his it got going his way. I think in the NBA there's a lot of like narrative built up uh, behind certain guys winning awards, and I my thing is, it's like I don't understand why you're sort of blowing your your announcement wad in one fell swoop. And and I know like it used to happen during the season or during the playoffs where you know the MVP would get rolled out sometime in the second round, and so would all the other awards. And so, like, to me, it always made more sense to wait till the after the season. You get another little story out of it. Uh, so, but, but I, I still think it makes more sense to separate it rather than just do one night and then announce everything at once. But I'm okay with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they got sponsorships and they got money from people that were advertising on television last night. And I, I watched most of it last night, so they did. they did have it on my television you know so it's, I was tuning in and out but it was on in the background for the most part um and uh so the, they got me they got my ratings but either way I just I thought it was kind of pointless and I just uh, I, I hope that there's a little bit more uh, I don't know the mystery a little bit more something up in the, more things up in the air next year when they do this again um but it just it's it seems as though and the other thing that, that got me about the MVP is they announced who it was going to be, but LeBron James wasn't even in the building. So if if it had been, I, I was actually rooting for it to be LeBron James for a couple minutes last night, because I wanted to see how completely awkward it would be for them to have to say, uh, LeBron James is not here to accept this award. So on his behalf, here's J.R. Smith or something ridiculous. I don't know even know if Smith was in the, in the house last night, but Harden dressed for the occasion. He, he showed up. He expected to win the award. I just for for just a couple minutes because LeBron wasn't there. I was hoping that he would win uh, because it would have been a, a ridiculous reaction to, to see. I think so. Um, I, I'd like a little bit more mystery, a little bit a little bit more more of the awards with people not really knowing what is going on going into it because we knew about Dwayne Casey basically. Uh, we knew about Harden. We knew Simmons was going to win the Rookie of the Year, even though a lot of people still argue that since he was drafted the year before, he shouldn't be eligible. But either way, uh, it's it's his award. Uh, he got it. Good for him. Uh, but overall, I just I thought it was a waste of time. So I'm wasting more time on it right now to start the show.
1: Um, yeah, I I guess I, here's here's the thing. LeBron had to be like tipped off. Right, that he was he wasn't going to win MVP. I mean, and not even tip Jaden. It's kind of be obvious that he wasn't going to win MVP because I think everyone knew Harden was going to win. And so I, I feel like you're reflecting your sort of disappointment with the predictability of the results as much as anything.
0: Am I right? Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, so it just it just makes it seem like the the award show is is pointless because everybody knew what was going to happen and you, you might as well have just done what you said and sort of staggered it and announced it as they, as they used to.
1: Yeah. And i, I like to see like the voting, you know, I find that interesting and like, rather than just like, Oh, uh, James Harden won MVP. You know what I mean? I like to be like, Oh, he won by, he was, uh, you know, this close to unanimous or whatever. I find that interesting. Exactly. I would have liked to see You know, for example, how like exactly how many votes Tatum got in that scenario.
0: Yeah, true. I'm wondering if they're gonna release that stuff at any point or if they've they're this is just a new format and that's what they're going to do now, and not say anything. Uh see if I can find that somewhere. Wonder if Google full voting results for MVP, rookie of the year. Huh. Well let's see if this bleacher report article is accurate. NBA release, full voting results. James Harden, 86 of 101 first place votes. Uh, LeBron James got 15. And that would mean that nobody else got a first place vote. Um, Rookie of the Year. uh, Ben Simmons, 90 first place votes. Donovan Mitchell, eleven first place votes. So there's some left over, but it doesn't say who else had them. Tatum was third, a distant third. Um right. I wonder if there's an actual listing. Yeah, this article is just written. It doesn't Right. Oh, but this is annoying. First place votes Oh no, sorry. I see I I jumped it again. Dwayne Casey had 39 first place votes for coach of the year. Quinn Snyder was second, but he only had 21 first place votes. And Brad Stevens was third with 23 first place votes. Brett Brown, Mike D'Antoni, uh, and Nate McMillan, Nate McMillan also got first place votes for coach of the year. So that was kind of spread out. And, uh, Victor Oladipo dominated in the most improved. He had 99 first place votes. And, uh, Capella and Dinwiddie each had one.
1: I like uh I like most improved. I always forget about it. Underrated uh yeah, you know, it's like uh it, yeah, it just gives gives a guy like a good good uh notification for a season, so I am really tired as Lori really mentioned at the start of the show, so I might be a little uh slower with it yeah, than usual. So I'm think
0: of myself as quick with it. Some some people think of it the other way, though. Some people think of it as a, an, a, an award that points out that you were terrible last year. I, I think of it more the way you do and say that someone has made a huge jump compared to what they were. Uh, but some people look at it and say, well, that just means you were really bad last year, depending on who you are, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I, actually, I I just hate when it's misused. Like, I, I never like it when it's, like, given to the young guy. You know what I mean? I get, I mean your eligibility doesn't count because, yes, he's still relatively young, but he's been in the league a while. I'm talking about, like, guy from year one to year two or, like, even year two to year three. Like, that guy should never win. You you know what I mean? Like, a guy who's just, like, fighting his way in the league, that guy should never win uh, most improved. But, nor should, like, a guy coming off an injury should also not be most improved.
0: Um, see, I think guys coming off an injury have potential to be most improved. And maybe not the very next season, but if they if they came off an injury, like, say, Javari Parker, for, for example, if he comes back next year and has a, an amazing season, he's the type of guy I look at as most improved. And he didn't get injured this year, but he didn't play the full season because of an injury that he had going into the season. So I think he's a prime candidate for most improved next year.
1: What I mean is, like, I mean, like – Guys, guys, who so are counting improvement as like improvement off their injured season, you know what I mean? If Jabari Parker gets better, it's because it will be better. It won't be because you know he's the injury numbers kept him down.
0: But isn't that exactly what what happened this year? I mean, he 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 came back late in the year. He didn't really play a whole lot. If he has an an awesome year next year. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's water finding his level. Maybe he's just an excellent player, but he deserves to be considered most improved because he didn't, he was basically nothing this year and it was due to injury.
1: Yeah, but he was never really anything. I think it depends on how much he improves In, in, in this hypothetical situation. It depends on how much he improves compared to somebody else, but I wouldn't necessarily just look at it. Oh, oh, he only played 37 games last year and yeah, he was he was coming off with an ACL or whatever, so therefore he's improved nah anymore.
0: All right. Either way, I think that's enough on NBA awards. Unless you have anything else you want to throw out there, no, I'm good. Okay, let's talk about some some trades. We'll get into one that just happened a little while ago. Uh, we'll talk about the draft in a few minutes too. But first off, the the biggest trade chip out there. The biggest name, the most valuable player that is available for trade appears to be Kawhi Leonard from the Spurs. So there's been a lot of rumors, a lot of talk about the Celtics being interested. They're trying to make a deal for him. They've already made an offer back on the trade deadline last year, and it was turned down without a counter and all this back and forth. We talked a couple weeks ago about how uh, Kawhi wants to go to the Lakers and I don't know if he would consider the Clippers as well. They are involved in the, in the deal that just went down that we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But uh, I just, as far as the Celtics are concerned and the ties to Kawhi Leonard, I just don't see it happening. If he is serious about wanting to play in Los Angeles, uh, this doesn't seem like the type of guy that can be convinced to, to stay in Boston. Uh, so I would be very hesitant if I was Danny Ainge in, in making a Kawhi Leonard deal. I wouldn't mortgage the future. I wouldn't trade any of the, the projected lottery picks, if you will, uh, unless there were there were no young players involved. So it's, it's one or the other, right? You can maybe have Jalen Brown, but I'm not going to give you a pick that, that we think, speaking as Danny Ainge right now, that we think is going to be – a high lottery pick in the future, whether it's Memphis or the Clippers or Sacramento or someone else's pick that they have grabbed over the course of the last couple of years that nobody's looking at, who knows? I don't even know what their draft capital is right now, as far as future picks from other teams, but either way, I don't want to include too much for this guy. Cause it's, it seems like a rental to me if he's really going to just walk and go to the Lakers or Clippers. So If I was Danny Ainge, I'd want to know, first of all, how serious that is. Is that real? Or is that just a bunch of talk out there because you went out of San San Antonio? Um, And and more importantly, what else am I giving up? Because as much as I would like to see Kawhi Leonard on the Celtics, I think that he would, in the right situation, make them one of the longest and best defensive teams that we've seen in a long time. Uh, But, the attitude and the mental state is what I would question. I'm just not sure if if he really wants to be anywhere but LA at this point. So that's, that's where I would be hesitant.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting situation, right? Because like the, the Spurs seem at, at least at this time, like pretty, pretty adamant about like, first of all, they're not even entertaining offers yet. Right. Uh, because they, they think that they still have a chance, to, that, or at least a priority is to. Yeah, try they, to they hold want to keep him in And then the reports are okay, they also don't want to trade him in the West no matter what. But Kawhi is saying, well, he's going to go to the Lakers or to LA after the season. Now, now because Kawhi is such, such an unknowable figure, I can't necessarily, if I'm somebody else, I can't necessarily get a read on like how, not how sincere he is, because I'm sure he's being sincere, but how amenable he would be to, like, being traded somewhere anyway, and then, the, and then you know, the team trying to win him over. I I don't know how successful that would be. I don't have any idea, but, you know, we look at Paul George all of a sudden, it's like, talking about how he might be interested in going back to Oklahoma City, although my theory is that, I, did we talk about this last time? I don't think we did. I talked about to somebody else. My theory with George is that, that he's posturing because he feels he feels guilty about leaving, and so he's he's creating a scenario where like you look like we've seen this in the in the playbook of athletes before, and I could be wrong, and we'll find out. But like the the playbook of like oh I really don't want to leave, so I'm going to put it out there like this is a terrible decision for me, and, and and thus when I leave, I won't seem like such a bad guy for wanting to bail on the town, but. Anyway, the, the bigger point back to Kawhi is that, like, I don't know how amenable he would be to, like, oh, maybe we can win here. How about, how do we even know how much he wants to win versus, like, for what reason exactly does he want to be in L.A. other than the fact that he's from San Diego? I'm not quite sure. We're going to trade him to the Lakers anyway at, at this point. No, uh, it's not. Unless, I mean it has to. You have to draw the line
0: somewhere, right? Even uh, unless that they could provide a, a deal that just that uh, blows them away, a Godfather offer type of thing. If you're Greg Popovich, you you definitely don't want to trade him to one to a potential rival, and he remembers those those series against the Lakers. I'm sure he, he doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't want that franchise to be prominent again because uh, it just it, and. By by his own means either like with if he were to trade Kawhi over there and they just blow up and they they are back to championship level status I, I don't know if if uh, Popovich would be too happy with that I I certainly wouldn't
1: and here's the other element with Kawhi which is how healthy is he you don't have any idea right like we, do we have do we, do we, do we you have a sure well I mean do you, you believe the Spurs doctors
0: Cause they say he's healthy
1: but does he say he's healthy.
0: No, he, but that's if, that, if the Spurs doctors are looking at him and saying that he's physically okay, then it, you're getting into the, the mental situation that I talked about earlier. And maybe, maybe he doesn't think he's healthy. Maybe he feels some sort of twinge or something, even though the doctors seem to think that everything is fine. And that's not a slight on him at all, but it is a hang-up for sure. And, I mean, this is a big-time player. This is someone that you're going to put a lot of – faith in and and you're going to expect a lot out of him for a long time because he's the type of guy you want to lock up but if if, if there's some sort of mental aspect to him not being able to get out on the court and that's that's a problem i mean it, you've seen it in sports before it, guys pitchers in baseball it happens regularly to them uh, one of the most famous examples is rick ankiel he just started throwing the ball over the backstop he could he just couldn't find the plate anymore, and it was a completely mental thing. And it's, it just—it is what it is, right? I mean, sometimes you just—you're not—you're not feeling it. Sometimes it's just—and then if it—if it keeps happening and happening, you have the a mental block, and you keep you question yourself and you wonder whether it's ever going to go away, and then it just compounds on it on itself. So, if that's part of the issue, then something to to be concerned with, I think.
1: I think there's there's the extra notions of uh, one a salary matching for Kawhi, right? I'm what is he? He's making like twenty twenty million next year, that's something around there, if I'm not mistaken. So like, yeah, you trade Jalen Brown, but you're also you know you have to trade salaries. So it, it, I'd imagine a Marcus Smart time trade would have to be involved,
0: right? Well, that's why people were saying it would be Kyrie Boy. Irving straight up or something like that. And I, I honestly, if Kawhi wanted to stay, I think I'd be okay with it, but. Um yeah it's he makes 18 million this year and but
1: not for the good. risk right you,
0: right you not trade, with the risk for trading, one year
1: right?
0: yeah. $20 million yeah. yeah 20 million next year with a player option for 21 the year after with with the one year risk flight risk I just I'm not trading Kyrie Irving and I don't want to trade a package of Brown plus well, I mean, maybe Brown and Smart. If Smart was a was re-signed for like 15 million or something, but that even that seems That's like
1: not it's it, overpaying. No, it no. would have to be like it would have to be like Brown, Smart, Morris, and Baines or something like yeah, that. Yeah, see, of it probably, seems
0: it seems a little like yeah. a little too, too much. Even though it, those guys are role players and you can find other guys to fill those roles, it just seems a little too strong for what basically sounds like a rental for the for a year. Right.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting like, lot but then it, but even if here's here's the other you know turn. I was about to say here's the other side of the coin, but i this is already the second side of the coin. So I'm going back to the other side. I'm just turning the coin around over and over again. Um, the other side of it is, if it is a year rental, you know, right? Even even if it is a year rental, you know, who's to say it's not worth it to go for it that one year? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, depending on what you're not if you're not giving up Kyrie. If, you, if you're kidding me up, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you say some of those those role players have – obviously Jalen Brown has value. Um, but who's to say, like, Jalen Brown is not worth – maybe if you think that team is good enough to compete for a title, like maybe even if it's a, a short-lived thing, is that not worth it? it
0: it's, it's tough to, to say because is Jalen Brown worth more than one title to you? Uh, is it, can you find a way to keep him and Tatum and fill the rest of the roster in going forward? And are those guys good enough to win multiple championships? If they are, I say you ride it out with them and you, you don't put it all in for one year and then risk being in trouble the following year. If Kawhi Leonard walks and then all of a sudden you're looking at a team of Terry Rogier, Jason Tatum, and a bunch of scrubs. Because by that time, Al Horford is getting towards the end of his contract. You're not sure what's happening there. Uh, you have to kind of assume that maybe maybe Kyrie is here, maybe he's not. But after just a single year, and that would include the end of Kyrie's contract, does he just walk away if Kawhi walks away? Or does he stick around and try to continue things? I feel like if you go for the, for the all-in one-year type of thing, it just raises far too many important questions going forward. Whereas if you sort of stand pat, and this is all assuming that you, that you believe that Brown and Tatum and the young guys that you have right now are going to, to be able to win you championships, and multiple championships, once LeBron has moved on. Uh, but if, if if you're assuming that, then you have to sort of stand pat, in my opinion. But if you are not confident in those players, and you think it's a better you have a better chance of winning one now and then rebuilding again in the event that Kawhi Leonard walks, then by all means, you've got to do it. You've got to go do it. So that's why I sort of think that the Celtics are leaning towards standing Pat, because I think they truly believe in Jason Tatum. And I think that they, uh, they really like Jalen Brown. And I, 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 think they're going to try and retain Marcus smart as well for a significant period of time. So I just, I feel like they are, would lean towards uh, keeping the, the young guys and continuing to develop them because they're so close to the NBA Finals as it is. That adding Kawhi Leonard, yes, may put them over the top for a year, but if they feel like they can be there for multiple years to come, I don't think it's worth the risk.
1: Do you? Do you? I already forgot what question I was going to ask. I'm sorry. Uh, I had it right now, and then I I completely lost it. Oh, yeah, we're talking to you. So do you feel like this is a team that, uh, you know, these guys will win multiple championships in the future? Are you there already with these guys?
0: No, I'm not. I'm not in on on Brown. So, that I mean, me personally, I would love to see them sort of make a a good deal that's not overpaying for a year of Kawhi Leonard. So Brown, if you could find a way to to package a couple of – of uh, smaller salaries with Jalen Brown as the centerpiece, then I'd be okay with it. But like I said, once you start getting into the future draft picks and that sort of thing, I, I don't, I don't know if it's really worth it. And I'm a, a hard no on Jason Tatum. He's got to stick around. I think he's the the better player overall, and he's the more promising player going forward. But I just. I would I, I would be hard pressed to trade Jalen Brown as well, uh, be, just because I'm aware of what else w- it would take. You'd have to strip the roster basically, and probably throw in some of those those higher draft picks as well.
1: So, and you you feel confident if they're going to sign Marcus Smart too, because I, I I think the Celtics at this point are pushing luxury tax territory. Are they not? like
0: I mean, I it seems how- like they're going to go after Smart, but I mean they. Right in, uh, for for the past year, they were in the middle of the pack as far as uh, salary is concerned. So I'm not sure what the exact cap is, but right now for 18-19, they're looking at 107 million, um, and that doesn't obviously that doesn't include Marcus Smart, whatever raise he's going to get, but uh, it does include six million for him, which is the qualifying offer. So maybe they go that route. You never know. But right now they have under contract one hundred and seven million. What is the NBA cap this year? Do you, Do you know?
1: Uh, I do not no I think it's around there, there. I think it's a little bit lower now. I don't know. Um, now I'm just gonna look it up.
0: I've oh, got it. A- so, luxury tax space. All right. So com, which I don't even know what this is. I just googled it. Uh, right. Has the Celtics at 108 million, and luxury tax space would be 14 million dollars. So they have they have some room right now, about 14 million before they're creeping up to that luxury tax. Um, okay. But they are technically over over the cap.
1: So is that not including the the six million qualifying offer? That's fine. I'm assuming. No, it's not, I think it right?
0: does include the Marcus Smart qualifying offer let's see where is he why don't i see oh maybe not nope sorry it doesn't it's uh yeah
1: oh i'm on the sport track too you're right yeah it doesn't okay
0: So in oh, but they case, have a placeholder. They have a placeholder actually for 13 million for Marcus Smart. Is what it is. Really? So they're, they're, it's not. It's not official, but they're they're putting a placeholder in for Marcus Smart at 13 million dollars. Uh, Monroe, Baines, Jonathan Gibson, Robert Williams, and Shane Larkin also have placeholders because those are all uh, undetermined. Um, but they've even got Brad Wanamaker on here who just signed a deal with the with the Celtics for the the minimum uh for 80, 80 less than a million dollars. So um it's not in the first section there Calvin, but oh, I've no, I'm, I'm
1: look I'm looking at it. You're, you're talking about cap holds, right? Right. Yeah, so the so the so, cap holds uh the cap holds don't count. Basically, I'm yeah, they they don't count in renouncing them like basically the cap holds aren't being factored okay. into the luxury tax. All right, so right so now. they
0: have they okay. So essentially, they have fourteen million dollars. That right now, if they have kept the same roster and they brought back Marcus Smart at fourteen million, they would be under the luxury tax.
1: Right, or thirteen nine, basically, is what we're saying. Because at fourteen, they was the luxury tax.
0: I think it's it's fourteen seven that they have.
1: Oh, okay, okay, that's fine. And that that would be. If they renounced Monroe and Bean, correct? And like-
0: right. That is correct. That would be, uh, and actually, they wouldn't be able to sign Robert Williams either. So. He's that, the,
1: oh, he's a rookie,
0: right? Right. He's their rookie that's okay. going to have a guaranteed contract because he was drafted in the first round. Um, right. They've already guaranteed Nader and Ojale, I guess. Tice. Wanamaker, Yavocelli, all these guys have contracts, I suppose. Oh, Nader must not have a contract. This website's confusing the hell out of me. Um, huh. Nader can't have a contract. I believe nope. Orgley does, though. And uh, Tice does as well, if I remember correctly. Anyway, um, too many numbers. We're probably confusing the people. Let's, uh, right. let's rein it back so they, in they, here.
1: Yeah. They probably have a significantly less than fourteen to give. They probably have ten or so, right, to give the smart or less even
0: before they. get Yeah, the luxury that's tax. what I would say. Yep, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah, so if he gets if he gets offered any more than that, they they might consider that. Do you think they would go into luxury tax for Marcus Smart, especially because they're going to go into luxury tax next no. year? Now, let's say they assign Marcus Smart to a multi-year deal. Then they might have trouble. They're gonna have trouble anyway with because of the increasing salaries of guys and Kyrie and Kyrie's free agency next year. You know what I mean? That's my thing with more. Yeah. Like,
0: okay. So I mean, I, but the Celtics I are aware smart of this. So, Wick, Wick yeah. has come out and said that he is willing to go to spend if he has to. So that to me more sounds like well, if if Ainge really thinks that we're gonna win multiple championships with these specific players we're willing to go over the luxury tax, but that's where Ainge comes into play. And if he, if he's really just putting together a roster and trying to make these guys look like overachievers and then ship them off, don't be surprised if he pulls the trigger on some of these players.
1: Yeah. I see smart as sort of a side and trade candidate. I mean, I, I actually see. Yeah. I mean, I see Jalen Brown as a trade candidate for multiple reasons, right? I, I mean, Positional redundancy, as much as anything, right? Because Haywood's going to yep. have to take his take spot back one way or the other. And
0: the yeah, I mean, there. unless. So the only thing that, that, that would explain that is if they truly are trying to have a uh, fluid lineup where anyone can play any position, and they're all six foot eight, slash six foot nine, besides Kyrie, and they're all just right. running up and down the court and it's this positionless basketball that I think Brad Stevens would love to play and I Danny Ainge has been striving for it since he was was a player in my opinion. So um it just if that's the way they want to go then you could totally put a lineup out there of Horford, Hayward, Brown, Tatum and Kyrie Irving. I I just I don't know how tough that lineup would be in the playoffs. That's that's where I would start to question it because you do need a little bit more size and toughness in the playoffs so obviously you're bringing guys in and out but does Al Horford really want to play center for an entire season uh, everything we've heard about him for the last few years is that he prefers power forward and he's he's excellent at, at both positions but there's something to be said about what your preference is if you'd rather be doing something else I feel like you're going to perform better it just inherently yeah
1: and I I think that like he likes the ability, like, it, here's the thing. In the true center position, you tend to have to guard the rim more than I think Al Horford wants to do at this point. I think he likes being in that sort of, that you know, mini Draymond kind of role where he's, he's like, playing a lot of help defense and it's sort of making the defense better overall. I actually do think, like, even though it makes sense to have him at center, which I, I understand, but, like, it also makes sense to have him right In just the fact that he's not the best Rebounding center as well um, The NBA is going that way So he's probably he's probably going to just have to suck it up And continue playing plenty a center
0: Yeah I imagine that's the way It's going to go as well uh, But we'll have to wait and see on that I guess um, What else do we have here Are you done with the Kawhi talk Or do you want to discuss his potential Laker uniform next year
1: I mean, I'm look. i I'm, Kawhi can make it happen with enough insistence that he that he won't resign with another team. I'm just not convinced that like he's strong willed enough to like to really, you know, sell that point to the degree that like the Spurs won't be able to trade him anywhere else without the Lakers. Because the Lakers are going to end up playing hardball in this scenario too. Like, I'm not convinced. Well, of course like, they are the have Lakers, to. I'm, That's my point. Are the, like, are the Lakers going to offer Brandon Ingram in this scenario? I'm skeptical that they are. Um, because because from, for them, from their perspective, they can, they can, you know, think, well, Kawhi can come to us next year if that's what he wants. The same way they sort of did this with George. Like, I I buy the Lakers. I I go all in to be honest with you because I think all. You know, it well, you don't, the seeing, you, you don't want to seem too desperate.
0: You don't want to. You don't want to seem too desperate, right?
1: Well, I think I think you don't mind seeing because here, here's the thing with the Lakers, is that all of these things are interconnected. If the Lakers if the Lakers get Kawhi, it just makes the LeBron and Paul George signings easier, you know. And the Spurs in that scenario would have to take on Dame's contract. But I think if you give them, you know, if you give them Ingram and Kuzma, then they probably have to have that conversation. I don't. I just don't. I don't think the Lakers are willing to do that right now. Unless, like, I don't. I don't think it gets done with them. And maybe that affects the chances of those other guys coming. there, maybe they'll come anyway. Right. But that's the other so thing. If you, my, my thing is, as a Laker fan, like I like. Look, I like a lot of the young players, but if you're, if you're telling me that I can have LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George on the Lakers and, you know, X random, whatever, whatever other random guys have to be left on the Lakers for that to happen. It seems worth it to me. You know what I mean? Whatever like that. Yeah. Does no, to, that seems, I quote, mean, that's, a step,
0: that's, that's definitely a step, a step above what I think the Celtics would have. Obviously LeBron James still right. playing at an extremely high level.
1: Yeah. It's just a defense on that team alone. Like, Regardless of who who you want to fill in in the other two positions, and I think at that point like you know, the the Lakers are getting minimum guys, you know, maybe they get like a Nerlens Noel type or a, who knows? Even if they have if they have to trade everybody to make that happen, it it's worth it for me. And I don't think they'd have to trade everybody to get Kawhi. I think that they would still you know, they'd still so, be like your know, Lonzo's and your Josh Hart from the team, but like
0: So all right. Yeah. The uh the Clippers are wheeling and dealing right now. They they just made a deal, we're about to discuss it. But yeah, what what do you think? Am I just pulling stuff out of my ass right now? What if what if Greg Popovich calls Doc Rivers and says, Let's let's do Kawhi for Golinari. for Gallinari. I can make Golinari a scorer again. What, let's do Kawhi for Golinari. You think Doc Rivers takes that deal? Doc Rivers? Of course he does. what are you talking? Of course he does Are you does. kidding me? Yeah, okay. he can and, that, and if that, that, happens, that does, does Kawhi say, oh, well, I'm in L.A. I can make more money for the Clippers. I'll just play for the Clippers. And then the Lakers are screwed. Do you think Popovich would be able to engineer that one?
1: But why would Spurs want Kalinari? I guess that's what's, that's what's confusing me. Yeah, about it's just the money.
0: It's just an easy fu to to Kawhi and say, you know what? You want to go to L.A.? Here. We're going to send you to L.A. and we'll figure it out here. Kalinari's not a horrible player gets he's often injured but I mean who knows, maybe that this contract person is, him off of.
1: that contract is an albatross though. He's like you said All he's racist. often injured. Yeah, he's uh, the Clippers would be ecstatic to get rid of that contract. But get okay. for Kawhi Leonard. But <laughs> for, yeah, get for Kawhi Leonard. If the Clippers would be so happy to get right out mm-hmm. front under that contract. But uh anyway. I, see, I, I think that this, so we'll get into this Clippers deal right now. I think that, the, first of all, it's super interesting to me that, like, they traded Doc Rivers' son, right? It makes me feel like Doc Rivers might be on the way out the door himself.
0: But yeah, maybe. That's, so that's but, one of the first things that I thought of is, like, Doc traded his son. Wow, I can't believe it. The nepotism he, is he over is, in, in, in Los Angeles. Uh, but it Lawrence was Frank did,
1: though. That's the point. It's like, Doc used to have the power to to make right. things like this happen. And no, now he, he doesn't, doesn't have that power anymore. Um, but I, I think that the, the first of all, the, the Clippers getting Gortat seems to me to like portend the notion of like DeAndre Jordan probably opting in on his player yes. option and then getting traded. Yes, I think I that think is, that's I mean that's
0: happen. what people are speculating right off the bat here. DeAndre Jordan's yeah. going to get paid and then shipped off to another team. And then he'll be able to sign an extension with that team for with his bird rights. I believe that's going to happen. I, I would imagine that DeAndre Jordan is not going to be in LA anymore.
1: And I know, look, I know the Wizards have been like wanting to get out of this Gortat contract for a while. But here's the thing: is like
0: John Wall too.
1: He just has one year left. Why? Because I know that they're like going into luxury tax center. He just has one year left on his deal at this point. So I don't understand what the Wizards are doing with this because trading, look, trading Gortat for Austin Rivers, it doesn't make sense to me because Austin Rivers is not going to start over, over their cards. He's not as good as Sadoransky in my opinion. He's right around the same, at least like in the same ballpark and you're trading away Gortat who like Say what you will about Gortat. He's a really good screen-setting center who, like, frees up John Wall and like he he frees up Bradley Beal for wide-open jump shots a lot of the time. Sure. I don't. I but don't
0: see how that was. Well, so they, the problem is they believe in Jan Ian, Mahinmi. Jan Mahinmi. Uh, they believe in no, him, and no I don't problem. know how. They, I mean, they think that he can he can set those screens too, maybe. But I think what it might come down to is a little bit of a chemistry issue between Gortat and John Wall, and Austin Rivers is going to be in the rotation. He'll be a, a backup guard, like you just said. He's not going to start, but he will. Be, I mean, I'm confident he'll get minutes. So another thing I just saw on Twitter is that John Wall uh, liked the liked Gortat's post about thanking Washington for five years and him being gone. Farewell to Washington. But that's pretty much the only post that uh, Wall has liked of Gortat's over the course of many years. So if if you want to read into that, read the tea leaves on social media, John Wall's happy that Gortat's gone. And when your superstar franchise player doesn't like someone else on your team, more often than not, that other guy is gone. Uh, So that's why I'm not surprised by this deal, even though the money, like you're saying, might – work against them going forward here. They're paying Mahimi $16 million. you believe that?
1: Oh, I knew that. That's what I was going to say. Mahimi's even harder to move than, than Gortat was. Um, but uh, you said that about John Wall, but I feel like none of the Wizards like John Wall. Bradley Beal definitely hates John Wall. There's no question about that. I don't see Bradley Beal getting moved anywhere.
0: Right, but Bradley Beal is, a, is an all-star. Gortat is falling backwards in his in his career. He's on the downside of his career.
1: I don't care how anyone likes Kelly Ubre. Kelly Ubre seems <laughs> like the worst thing.
0: Uh yeah. Celtics fans not a big fan of his either, just because he was mouthing off at one point and tried to get in a fight and during that that fracas type of series. Uh that uh, that back and forth a couple years ago, so People up here don't really think, like him either, I don't think.
1: So, yeah, I think the Wizards take a step back, and I think the the Clippers probably take a step back, too, when DeAndre leaves, but it depends on what they get for him. I think Gortat is a fine sure. sort of replacement for him, at least for a year, right? Not a big deal. I, I sort of tend to think DeAndre Jordan's overrated anyway, but um, yeah, I think the right. Clippers made out better in the scenario, in my opinion.
0: All right, let's uh, continue on here, and we move okay. to – oh, let's talk NBA draft for a few minutes. I don't have a okay. ton of things to say here, just besides, besides the, the fact that there was a lot of speculation the Celtics were going to try and move up. They liked Doncic. They liked uh, Mo Bamba. They liked all sorts of players at, at the top of the draft that they were going to go out and get. Uh, when, it all said and, when it was all said and done, they waited, and they didn't do anything and they drafted Robert Williams III out of Texas A&M, who uh, somehow a lot of people not only predicted, but really a lot of Celtics fans seem to want this guy. I don't know a whole lot about him, uh, but it seems like he might be able to to fit a role for the Celtics next year. Ben Stevens spoke highly of him, so um, I don't have a a ton to say about this guy. I think that he's going to provide a defensive element that will, will help But at the same time, people have questioned his uh, effort level in the past. So I'm not so sure if that's going to creep in. Is he going to be able to play in an 82-game season? Is he going to have the drive that a guy like Jason Tatum does? I'm I'm guessing likely not. But he was a projected lottery pick uh, last year and then dropped out of the lottery for – various reasons none of which are extremely clear but this this uh question of effort is definitely one of them so Robert williams is third to the celtics i'm more interested in in uh how you're feeling about this draft because the lakers let me just confirm yeah they didn't have a, a pick in the top 10 or whatever it yeah, was they, they, had they number 25. They, they picked 25th so yeah I mean, that's not good for their development, for sure. They basically looks like they went out and got a, uh, a, a big a, a power forward. I don't really know anything about this Wagner kid either, so you tell me, but it seems yeah. to me as though the Lakers are just banking on LeBron and or another star coming to their, their team this year because otherwise they don't look like they're going to be any good.
1: Now. Well, again, I, I don't necessarily – I mean, you, you're taking – you're extrapolating like a draft conversation to like how good the Lakers are going to be next year conversation, which we
0: can have later on. No, you don't on. have to do that. I'm, uh, I'm just I'm just saying yeah. like I, it seems as though with this pick, they didn't make any moves to try and move up. So there were a lot of names well, in this draft where people thought they were good players. So I feel like the Lakers have a little bit of capital. They have some young players. Maybe they just believe in them a little too much. But they it seems to me as though they could have made a move in this draft.
1: Well, there was a rumor about them moving up, and they didn't. But to be, to be honest, uh, just in general, they I, I wasn't necessarily pessimistic about like them having this spot in the draft. Because the Lakers, like in recent seasons, have actually done really well in the 20s. Like they got Kuzma and Josh Hart last year. Uh, you know, as much as Jordan Clarkson is a punchline now, they got him in the second round. Uh, who am I missing? I'm missing somebody else that they got late. Uh, who's been a productive player for them, but the point is, is like it's not the position. I just don't, I don't really like the pick of Wagner. I was hoping they'd get somebody with a little more defense. He's sort of a, he's kind of a Laurie market in type. He's like tall. He's like six eleven, seventeen, Grandel. and he's like a three point shooting power forward who not necessarily, you know, defense is not necessarily his specialty. So I was hoping for a guy who defense was more of a specialty, although the like his do shooting. But yeah, so I'm not really happy about it. But who knows? I don't know college basketball well enough to like really know for sure. I could be completely wrong about him, but um, I will. I, I, what I'm wondering though about the draft, just in general, is like I don't understand if, if all the if all these teams are moving the small ball and moving away from the center, why why did so many centers get drafted so high?
0: <laughs> it's a good question. Why a did, lot a lot of young centers. Went in the top, why, what we like, got, seven? Yeah. Got three centers in the top seven.
1: We, we spent a whole year, it seemed like, before the draft, talking about Luka Doncic and, like, watching his highlights and, like, uh, you know, saying he was the next big thing. And then it was, like, you know, the the king just passed him right up in the sense, like, didn't even consider taking him. And they, they both just took – I know uh, Bagley is, like – you know, a four slash five, but he's kind of a center. And Aiton is a center, doesn't necessarily play great defense. And it, it seems like, what are we, I don't know, what are we doing here? Are we making the same mistakes again? Are we going to look back at this chapter? and be like, what the hell was everybody thinking? Or do you think like,
0: yeah, we're just going to have a,
1: there's a, it, a center coming back?
0: Well, I mean, I, I have to believe that, that like Wendell Carter Jr. is not going to be a, a stud hall of fame center. I mean maybe Mo Bamba no probably not on him either I'm just I look at these these teams Orlando drafts a, a big stud center Chicago drafts a big stud center and Dallas gets away with getting Doncic. and I just I feel like maybe aside from Bagley who has has a chance to be the the more uh hybrid type of player than these other guys do right aside from Bagley I feel like like uh, both Atlanta and Dallas may have gotten better players in the draft than any of these centers. And it's just, it it seems as though there's, there's NBA GMs again, just falling in love with, with big guys. And the league is going in a different direction. You can see where the trends are going. So I, it just, I would question any real, any team that drafted a center uh, outside of the, I don't know, top, top 20 uh, or inside of the top 20, I should say. And I mean, even, even uh, wag or Williams for the Celtics is just six, nine. He's not listed as a center. He, people are talking about him as a big man, but three centers in the top seven, not another one until number 36 in the second round. So I think this might be a situation where, where teams sort of got enamored with, with, with a big man that could play uh, and I just I don't know if these guys are gonna make it. I don't know what the deal is. like even DeAndre Ayton, he seems like he's he's a stud type of player, but is Phoenix really gonna use him in a way that he'll be able to utilize him being seven feet tall? I just I, it seems as though they're they're trying to take a piece in each of these situations and just plug it into a puzzle and it doesn't fit. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see obviously, and but that's just the way it looks to me.
1: And I, I guess it just feeds into, like, I find myself weirdly skeptical over all of this draft. And I think it's, like, every year they, it seems like, and it could be, yeah, I'm not a huge follower of college basketball, but just watching the highlights and, like, every year it's, like, they, we get hyped up for these prospects. and We can't tell if it's, like, a bad draft until a couple months later, you know what I mean, during the NBA season. Then they all of a sudden, like, the narratives about them. But then, but at the time, it's always, like, oh, man, you know, Tank for Donkic or whatever. I'm not waking up to like come up with a plan that actually works there, but you get the point that I'm making. It's like I don't know. I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of going to be pre out there and saying that like I'm not I'm not enriched about this draft. So
0: yeah, I'm not buying most of these guys either. I feel like yeah. Kevin Knox out of Kentucky, uh, decent player, but when he goes in the top ten, he just he doesn't seem he reminds me of uh, of Big Baby Glenn Davis in, in a way. So i just I, I can see it i i, I feel like that it, it, it's it, it's being hyped a little bit more than it should be. Michael Porter jr fell a little bit he's a player that I would have believed in a little bit more if he was in the top ten but um for the most part, i mean hell a guy from a guy that didn't even go to college and just played at some prep school for a year got drafted in the first round. And to me, it's just – when something like that happens and guys are going 20 picks before any of the pundits say they should go, go, it makes me wonder what's going on with NBA GMs. Do they really know something, or are the experts actually right on these ones? And uh, the draft pretty much lined up the way people thought it would, but I just – I don't buy into some of these players. I feel like DeAndre Ayton – might just toil away in Phoenix and then become the next DeAndre Jordan and have to bounce around a couple to a couple teams before anything really happens with him. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I was going to say the next Greg Monroe because that's what it oh. kind of feels like. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean maybe.
1: I think... Yeah, maybe not. We'll see.
0: Anyway, I all right. Weirdly, let's I let's kind re- of
1: weirdly like Darren Jackson now. I don't know why.
0: Hmm. Anyway. We'll see. Another uh, another player that can toil away on a terrible team. Memphis is in shambles right now. Um, but maybe they'll bounce back. They're, they used to be a decent or They have been in recent years, and all of a sudden they're in full tank mode uh, down there. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this show up here with a little tidbit about the awards, the NBA awards show that we – discussed earlier in the night but uh, I didn't really hear this quote so you're going to have to carry it for me if you can remember with your your tired eyes there. Uh, Oscar Robertson apparently said something that uh, stirred things up.
1: Um, unfortunately, I just closed my computer. I had it earlier. All right. uh, but, yeah, he's basically talking about how like he's proud of, of this generation of athletes and how they uh, you know they're out there speaking on issues and he's like where are all the white athletes speaking out on issues and how they feel about things and, and standing up uh, for injustices to it's a nice sentiment but to which I say what white athletes are you talking about? At least in the yeah way, I mean so if, he,
0: if he's saying white basketball players then maybe that's a different story um, and but I mean obviously the sample size is a lot smaller if he's talking about white athletes in general, I think a lot of them are speaking out. Uh, I mean, Chris Long is, is the one that jumps out of my jumps off the, the page at me. Obviously, uh, comes to mind first because he's been so active in the, all the discussions about what's happening with the national anthem and the NFL and all sorts of protests. But I, I, I think that we need a little bit of clarification from from the Big O there because. Uh, there are white athletes out there speaking out, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I guess there are a couple, sure. And, like, my thing about, like, speaking out has always been, like, do you want someone to speak out just in general, or do you want someone to speak out with a specific agenda? You know what I mean? Those are two different different statements, but um, I think there are people like, being passionate, but it it, is interesting to think, like, you know, white athletes... The notion, yeah, in the NBA, it's like JJ Redick. You know, there's not a lot of guys uh, that I can even think of because I'm tired. Oh, right, but um, yeah, obviously in football,
0: Gallinari. Yeah,
1: you know, There you go. Do Europeans have
0: the light? I think so. Yeah, right. I mean, why wouldn't they? Not all <laughs> Europeans, because obviously there are. Different races in Europe as well, but okay, well, I think a white a white European is a white person.
1: Let me ask you this question, uh, just you know, it's just a just a little debate on our way out. Is Manu Ginobili white?
0: Uh, I think Manu Ginobili would be considered Hispanic, but I'm not sure what his ancestry is. I just know where he's from. Right, he's from Argentina.
1: Right, but but he looks like a white person, basically, right, like a European guy. Sure. Yeah. All
0: right, well, I guess it, it depends. Well, I guess it depends on what is, what his parents are classified as, right? If if his parents are from uh, England and and Ireland, and then they move to Argentina, he would be a a, a white Argentinian, I would believe but I don't think that's where his parents are from. I think that they're, I think they're Argentine. Wikipedia. Dual citizenship, citizenship, Argentina and Italy.
1: Ah, Italy. Uh, Italy.
0: Dual citizenship, Marchese descent. I don't even know what that means. So, Maybe I'm just not reading well. Anyway, we're stalling, and it's the end of the show, so there's no point to this. But the point is, uh, Oscar Robertson is generalizing and trying to – I think maybe he should just encourage everyone to continue to to speak up instead of trying to call out white players. I don't don't know what the agenda is there for him, but um, to each his own, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm about done. It's
0: a better rap for me here, so uh, we can just call it right now. All right. Now I'm I'm diving into this Man of Ginobili uh, Wikipedia page, so this will keep me up all night. No, I'm not going to continue reading this. Uh, All right. Thank you for listening to those who did. I was looking at our stats earlier. You know, Calvin, we've had like 5,000 listens over the the course of our show. It seems low, but I'm... uh, I'm still happy with it. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Anyway, thank you to everyone that listens. Uh, we appreciate it. Clns Media carries us, and we love them as well. Big things are happening over there. Make sure you check them out, and uh, check us out next time. Not sure when it's going to be, but we'll talk to you then. Calvin, have a great night. Get some sleep, will you? A little more energy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys.